Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode Today we are exploring some new territory here on the podcast. I have been wanting to talk about specifically alcohol and addiction for some time now, and we will talk a little bit about other substances, but I haven't really had an opportunity to explore it in more detail here on the podcast. It just so happens that it's been sort of a topic of conversation in my personal life and also actually receiving a few anonymous submissions surrounding this topic that prompted me to explore it in a little bit more depth here. And the reason that I wanted to explore it here is because I think as with anything that's kind of stigmatized, it's important to talk about and just normalize certain conversations so that we're more easily able to share with each other our experiences and ask for support and be honest with the people in our lives. And yeah, that's kind of the intention of this episode. It's not necessarily to be sharing advice with respect to addiction, more so just sharing personal experience and also observational experience in interacting with various forms of addiction over the course of my life. And so we'll kind of start there because that really lays the foundation for the relationship that I have with substances is the early life exposure that I had to them. And specifically, witnessing adults using substances, I would say predominantly alcohol, in such a way that led them to be out of control. The level of intoxication that I personally witnessed was far beyond the like standard level if that makes sense and it wasn't something that I would see often necessarily but I think what this imprinted into my early brain was that when adults engage with certain substances they behave in a way that seems to be out of their control and That also imprinted kind of a fear of substances and being out of control, not even with respect to substances. It just led to me having a huge fear around not being in control of myself and my body. And I've noticed over the years that that's followed me into adulthood. I've kind of questioned a lot over the years whether this is a good thing because it makes me very mindful of addictive behavior within myself and other people or if it's kind of hindered me from being able to 
relinquish control because as I said, it doesn't just apply to engaging with a substance. I am just very generally scared of being out of control in any way or being publicly humiliated because of being out of control of my body. And that could be from various different things, not necessarily just because of my exposure to people being intoxicated, but I do believe that it's played a role and informed how I relate to substances in general. Regardless of whether it's a good thing or a bad thing to have this type of relationship with substances, I do think that something that has been true for me, at least in the last little while, is I don't like something other than me, whether that's a substance or somebody else's opinion of me or a habit to be in control of my actions. So again, this doesn't just apply to substances. It also applies to social media use or seeking validation from other people or shopping. The instant that I feel that it's not an intentional experience and I'm kind of automatically seeking this thing to the point where it's beginning to have some level of control over me is when I start to have that feeling of withdrawal from whatever it is that I'm engaging with. That's definitely not always been the case because there have been instances where I haven't been able to interrupt that cycle. I would say, and I don't think I've ever mentioned this, but the most poignant experience that I've had with that cycle of something other than me being in control is with nicotine, which is something that I got into in university very casually and socially, and then that very quickly spiraled into an addiction. And again, I've been able to observe my addictive behavior with respect to nicotine in other areas of my life that don't involve a substance at all. And what I observed within myself when I was very strongly addicted to nicotine was certain things such as a level of deception, also a deviance from my normal routine. So for example, I would go out of my way to be seeking out, you know, an opportunity to use nicotine and just various other kind of uncharacteristic things that I hadn't really experienced before, even with alcohol, that made me really realize that this substance and this habit was controlling more of my behavior and my life than maybe I realized and also more than what I desired to be in control of me. When I had this relationship with nicotine, I feel like a big hindrance for me to actually stop the cycle was a couple of things. Number one, it wasn't so disruptive to my lifestyle or to my health in a way that I could see. So that really didn't force me to stop because I wasn't seeing any massive implications. And number two, I feel like 
the collective narrative was that it wasn't that bad in comparison to other substances. So I think when it came to actually quitting that and, you know, removing it from my life, it was a lot harder because I wasn't seeing the immediate consequences of using it. Now, luckily for me, I feel like a lot of the dialogue surrounding nicotine and more specifically vapes has really like scared me away from using them but prior to that I really felt like there was this justification that I had about using it and what I'll say about that specific addiction because like I said that's the most poignant substance addiction example that I have personally I don't think that I could ever healthily engage with nicotine probably for at least the foreseeable future, but potentially for the rest of my life. Because I was so addicted to this substance, I would try to find ways to justify having a more balanced relationship with it. So for example, only having it on weekends or only using a vape when I was going out with friends. But the reality that I observed over and over again, no matter how many times I went through this cycle, is for me, moderation with the substance that I had previously been extremely addicted to was very hard and it was actually a lot easier to just avoid it altogether because it's almost like I would feel this reopening, if that makes sense, to all of the previous behaviors and I would start to notice them more and more and no matter how long I had been away from it, even if it was a year or a few months even, the same cycle would start back up again. And luckily for me, I never reached a point with nicotine where it seriously impacted my health, which I'm very grateful for. But with that being said, I did witness, and I think this is something that scared me, I did witness different substances impacting people's lives to the point of having serious harm over either their physical health or their mental health or their relationships and even that wasn't enough to stop the addiction cycle and so that's another kind of reminder that I had in my in the back of my head throughout this period was even if I'm not experiencing this kind of life-threatening or relationship ending or mental health experience right now with this substance it doesn't mean that it won't get to that point. And so again, you know, on one hand, it's unfortunate to have had certain exposures to addiction, but at the very least, it's been a reminder and a sort of canary in the coal mine for me has been to know what the manifestation of certain behaviors could look like if I continued down that path and to have a clear example of what that could lead me to. Now, before we go any further with this conversation, I know it's been kind of dark and heavy and I don't want to be like provoking fear within anyone as it relates to certain substances because I am not someone who doesn't drink or smoke from time to time. But I think it's important to just be honest about 
what that can look like when we're not mindful of our relationship with it down the line. And, but yeah, with that being said, like, I don't want it to be all geared towards being negative and heavy. And I'm at a place right now with specifically alcohol where it's not something that is 100% out of my life, but at the same time, I'm definitely mindful of my relationship with it. And I want to maintain that level of mindfulness with it because again I know even within myself what that can look like when it starts to slip. So speaking of alcohol and we'll also kind of explore cannabis in this conversation as well because those are nicotine, alcohol, and cannabis are the the substances that I have the most experience with. But what I would say about alcohol and cannabis is I don't really have this same sense of dependency on either of them. And because of that, they're not necessarily things that I feel this unraveling experience if I engage with them from time to time like I do with nicotine. And so, you know, I've experimented with being completely off all substances And then, you know, being a little bit more mindful of when, you know, saying like two times a week, or I've just experimented with different ways of engaging with these substances. And what I found is balance for me is the most important thing. I'm not necessarily very drawn to cannabis in general. I have been at various points right now. I'm going through a phase where I basically want nothing to do with it, but Alcohol is something that I would say has been consistent, consistently excuse me, in my life since, you know, I was old enough to drink it. But I do just want to talk about some of the reflections on alcohol that I've had because as I mentioned, this has been one of the predominant substances that I've had personal experience with as well as witnessed other people using. And when I first began to dabble Actually, that's not a good word because I wasn't dabbling, let's be honest. I was fully going for it. And that was what my first chapter of my relationship with alcohol looked like was just overindulging, over getting overly intoxicated because I associated that with having a good time. And when I look back at my mental health at that, when I was in that phase, it's not really altogether surprising that it wasn't in a very good place because the way that my routine looked would be going to school Monday to Friday or once I was in university and doing work placements, going to work Monday to Friday, going out drinking Friday night, being hungover Saturday, going out again Saturday night and being hungover Sunday and doing that all again. And I spent a lot of my weekend recovering and feeling awful and having the classic anxiety, wondering what I did last night, feeling a sense of shame, even if nothing bad happened and just feeling awful. And then going to work or going to school and just kind of being in that cycle for quite a long time. Once I started to really experience some serious anxiety late in university, I started to look at some of my routines and one of the first places that I looked was my relationship with alcohol and the overindulgence and the overdependence on alcohol to have a good time and how I associated 
drinking and often drinking in excess with a good time. And it was kind of hard for me to sever that relationship and to begin to rebuild my relationship with fun and also to value my energy and my health and my time because spending two full days recovering and just being sluggish and awful, it can take a toll on your self-confidence and, you know, also your free time and what you are available to do and the energy that you have to do things that you actually want to do in your free time. I noticed this narrative popping up a lot in the anonymous submissions for this episode is that once you begin to notice this and perhaps you want to distance yourself from this cycle and let's say you're hanging out with the same group of friends and maybe you're drinking less or you're not drinking at all is you can get some pushback from those people that are used to seeing you blackout drunk every weekend and having a good time and that can be certainly challenging in that sort of peer pressure that we can experience even into our adulthood and that awkwardness that we feel or even that shame that we feel of like oh no I'm just gonna have a pop or I'm just gonna have water or sparkling water or whatever it is maybe it's just one drink or any reduction in what you're drinking when you're surrounded by people who again you're used to drinking and partying with that can be an awkward experience but from my perspective it shouldn't be something that hinders us from trying out a new lifestyle. And like I said, in my experience, that doesn't necessarily mean cutting it out altogether and, you know, cutting out certain friends altogether. Although in that period where you may be trying to move away from a certain substance, that can be helpful. I know that's the case with nicotine is if I'm around people who are using it, or I guess when I was trying to quit, if I was around people who were using it, it was a lot harder than if I was around people who were not. And that's completely understandable. But I do think that friendships can take on new forms. And just because we partied with certain friends and we were drinking a lot doesn't mean that those relationships can't evolve. But I do certainly think that it can be helpful to have some space especially in the settings that you are very used to engaging with those substances in so let's say in my case I was really used to doing a lot of partying with friends and going out on the weekends and maybe during the period that I was trying to consider and shift my relationship with alcohol I would try to make more plans with those friends during the day and you know in instances where the temptation wouldn't be so prominent. So that relationship with alcohol has certainly evolved a lot over the years and become something that I don't rely on to have a good time. I only really engage with if I feel like it and I don't really feel pressured into that, both because I frankly don't care if I'm the only one not drinking, but also I think I've surrounded myself with people who are not judgmental or are not going to comment on whether or not I choose to drink or not. But now I want to talk a little bit about 
weed. And like I said, between nicotine, alcohol, and weed, these are the substances that I've had the most experience with. Now, I have a I have a really weird relationship with weed because for a period of time, I would not touch it. I would not go near it. I was really scared of it. And I think that came back to what I said earlier in the episode, which is, you know, alcohol felt very familiar to me. And it's almost like when you're drunk, even if you are out of control of your body, you're not aware of it because you're just so out of it, which I'm not saying is a good thing, but I guess that feels less confronting than being high and being so aware of everything that's going on. At least that's my experience. That for me is like a terrifying experience. And so for a long time, I wouldn't touch it. And I think that that's probably for the best, especially when I was really struggling with anxiety is I would actually just completely spiral if I even had a single puff of a joint. Whereas in recent years, since not really being in that place with my mental health anymore, and since having a curiosity to see what the hype is about, to be honest, I have experimented a little bit with seeing what it's like and comparing, you know, that experience with alcohol because there have been times where I've wanted to have a good time and maybe engage with something, but I really just don't feel like having a drink. Since experimenting with weed, what I've noticed is that it's almost like at times it's a bit of exposure therapy for me to feel the alteration in my state of consciousness and to be very aware of it and to just notice the panic that starts to come along with that and to be able to it's just basically like an amplification of some of my anxieties on a larger scale which on one hand it's like why would you ever want to do that but on the other hand sometimes seeing my thought patterns and watching the effect that they have on my physiology is kind of an interesting lesson for me to just kind of take back to when I'm not using weed or whatever and just recognize how big of an impact my own mind has on the way that I feel. So it's like, again, that's my experience with weed is whatever state of mind I'm in will quite often be amplified when I use that. And if there's any amount of fear or anxiety, that will be amplified. And it's almost like my my ability to regulate and to calm myself down it like it comes into focus when I'm in that state and that has kind of helped me to do the same thing on a smaller scale when I'm not using that substance but the reality is that's not very pleasant for me and although it doesn't happen every time I think because from time to time I have this like extreme panicked feeling it's something that's not really a big part of my life in general. I could have 10 really good experiences and then one really 
paranoid, anxious experience, and that's enough for me to avoid it altogether. But what I will say is that it has been interesting to see some of my kind of anxious subconscious thought patterns amplified and to kind of be forced to regulate my own nervous system. So although I have experimented with it at various points, I think especially having struggled with anxiety, it tends to be something that I use very infrequently and very minimally. Now I have gone through phases where I've enjoyed it a little bit more than others if I'm just in the right setting and with the right person. I do not use it socially ever. I will not ever use it in a social setting. I mean, at least not for the last, like I haven't done that in the last little while because it amplifies what I was experiencing and what I was describing by like tenfold when I'm around other people. So it's not really something that I do socially. It's not something that I do often or in great excess, but that's kind of where I'm at with that. And then as it goes for other substances, like harder recreational drugs, my mentality with the majority of them is I really don't know what I'm missing out on because I haven't tried them. And I'd rather just keep it that way. I don't really have any reason in my current life to engage with any substance, especially with some of the risks that are present But at the same time, I have noticed a lot of conversation surrounding the use of psychedelics, which has been kind of interesting to to observe. I, again, have very minimal experience with psychedelics. I am curious about some of the research that's coming out about them and mental health, but I'm pretty wary of anything that seems to be framed as a miracle cure or a one-size-fits-all. I have had a couple of positive experiences with certain psychedelics, but I just generally am pretty content without them in my life. And the other thing that I've reflected on when it comes to really anything that's putting me into an altered state of consciousness is... Like, do I need to do that? Is it enhancing my life? And sometimes the answer is yes, and it can bring me some sort of new insight. And I'm not just talking about recreational substances or like anything like that. It can also go for meditation or anything that enhances my state of consciousness. But What I've noticed is that when I'm seeking out an altered state of consciousness as a means of escaping my current reality, that is typically when I get into a tricky territory with substances. So I've just, I don't really have an answer to do I need to access different states of consciousness because like I said, especially when it comes to harder recreational substances, If I don't really know what I'm missing and I'm feeling pretty good about my life, then that's great. Um, But yeah, ongoing reflection that I have about my relationship with wanting to access something beyond what I'm currently experiencing. And the reason that it's important for me to continue to keep this in mind, you know, is it necessary for me to access an altered state is I am prone to escapism and 
I have to be very intentional about why I'm interacting with a certain substance. Is it out of compulsion? Is it out of habit? Is it out of a genuine curiosity to look at something in my life in a different way and, you know, explore and experiment with a certain aspect of my psyche? Or is it just me trying to escape the mundane routine and escape and avoid aspects of my life? So just to reiterate, I'm not trying to demonize any substance and I am curious about some of the emerging conversations surrounding things like psychedelics, but at the same time, being aware of my own habits and ways of relating to substances and I just generally as a person am wary of anything that is overly romanticized or glamorized without also having a conversation about the risk factors. The last thing that I want to touch on before getting into your responses because this is a position that I've been in before as well in my life and I, I don't see a lot of conversation happening about this side of addiction, which is being the one witnessing it and calling it out. Now, this has been a position that I've been in not that often, but more than once. And it's a really uncomfortable position to be in to, number one, watch someone in your life engage with something in a way that seems to be harmful and number two to actually communicate that and the reason that that's difficult is number one what I've experienced in my 20s is that we're not quite at the age yet where this type of behavior is seen as addictive it's just seen as normal so to call anything out Again, I've had the experience of feeling prudish and feeling wrong for saying anything. And what I'll say about that is, again, I think when you've seen what these behaviors can manifest as later in life, you have a slightly different perspective. And the other reason that I think it's so difficult to communicate these things, and by the way, when you're communicating something with someone about certain behaviors, it doesn't mean that you're right. Maybe you have misinterpreted something, but to to voice that you're concerned about someone's behavior, you don't want to hurt that person. You don't want to embarrass them. And you can imagine what it would be like to be on the receiving end of that type of concern. It's something that feels very embarrassing and shameful, even though it can be very clear to everybody that something is going on. To actually communicate that, it puts everyone in an awkward position in my opinion. I know it's a very tricky thing because sometimes even if we do share feedback or an observation or offer our support, it won't be well received. But my perspective is for the people that I love, I would rather be that person and put myself in that position than stand by and just watch someone lose aspects of themselves and their lives to addiction. And, you know, when we do 
choose to communicate something or disengage with something, it doesn't have to be from a place of judgment or, you know, control. It can be from a place of offering support or help or maybe just offering a different perspective because sometimes it's hard to see when you're in that. But it's definitely not necessarily an easy thing to communicate or even to withdraw from. Sometimes it's not even that you are communicating with someone that you're recognizing. Maybe there's a bit of, you know, a negative relationship forming with a certain substance, but also to just choose to withdraw yourself from, you know, whether it's your friends are all smoking weed and you choose not to, even that experience, it can make you feel like an outsider and it can make you feel difficult. And again, the label that comes to mind is prudish, but I've had to really learn to be okay with that. And again, to learn that the people that are going to be in my life and the friends that I want to have long-term aren't going to judge me for distancing myself or for choosing not to engage with certain substances and hopefully I can feel comfortable enough to communicate about behaviors and also for others to communicate with me and to be open to that conversation. Okay, so let's open up some of the submissions for this episode. This first one's a little long, so here we go. It says, my relationship with alcohol is tricky. For years, I've gone through phases of abstaining when my mental health has been bad, but I have found most social settings in the UK revolve around drinking. Going to the pub is such a social norm that if you don't drink, people can react very negatively. Being open about my mental health is hard when most people just want to let go with a drink in their hand. I don't want to exclude myself, but doing social events sober when others are drunk can be quite exhausting. I'm at the start of this new phase, so we'll be practicing my own self-control and confidence in saying no in the next few months. I can really relate to this specifically in the way that I observed at a point that my relationship with alcohol was impacting my mental health and making a choice to at least shift my relationship with alcohol into a healthier place and what that looked like for my friendships and my relationships with other people and my routines that predominantly my social routines I should say that predominantly revolved around drinking and I don't really have any great insight on this because it's something that I'm still exploring within myself and I do know that social experiences that are centered around drinking can be difficult when you're the only one who's not drinking or maybe you're drinking significantly less but something that I always try to remind myself of is there are so many people out there that happily live their lives without alcohol. And especially when we're in a place where a lot of the social activities revolve around alcohol, we think that that's the only way it is. But I just think about how many people that's not the case for and how many people's social realities don't revolve around drinking. And although that may be a new thing for me, that it exists and I can be open to it. And one thing that I've found to be very helpful is to schedule more things during the day because there's not really any opportunity to drink. So whether that's in the morning, on weekends, or, you know, 
going out for lunch with people and to have my social schedule more oriented towards daytime activities. Okay, let's read another one. This person said, I wanted to share that as someone with chronic illness who no longer drinks alcohol at all for health reasons, I have found cannabis-infused beverages to be a good way to participate in social settings without being questioned on why I'm not drinking or having to address my health issues with others. They go on to say, I highly recommend as long as someone is willing to put in the appropriate research to ensure they're consuming safely and responsibly. I find it so interesting that so many of us struggle with this experience of being questioned in social settings on why we're not drinking. Isn't that so weird when you think about it? Like, why are you not participating in this way that I want you to participate even though there's a real genuine reason why and maybe just collectively because I know I've done it before to friends but maybe just this is our collective sign to not ask people why they're not drinking because it could be for a very simple reason like they don't feel like it or it could be for a much bigger reason that they don't want to get into in a social setting so maybe that question can just... (laughs) We can reflect on why we feel the need to ask that question, I would say. But yeah, I've definitely talked to quite a few people, and I would say even my partner included, who prefer cannabis over alcohol and who can use it in a social setting and feel okay and not feel anxious. And it's kind of interesting to me because even for me, the immediate feeling towards cannabis, I think just because I grew up with it being illegal and now it's legal is I think of it quite differently than I think of alcohol even though alcohol can be very destructive. So I think whatever works for the individual and whatever they feel most comfortable with whether that's cannabis or alcohol or nothing at all and just not feeling pressured into one or the other. For me, I feel pretty comfortable with alcohol. I don't feel that great with cannabis, but for some people, the opposite is true. And to consider why we would judge one over the other is kind of interesting to me because like I said, although certain substances are very normal, it doesn't mean that they're not destructive in the case of alcohol, especially in excess. Okay, here is another response. This person said, I don't feel alcohol is needed to have fun. I do a lot of things that are fun. It didn't give me more confidence or make me more personable. I'm already those things, so I don't lean on it for that. Personally, I like knowing I'm going to get myself and others home safe. I'm not going to feel awful the next day. I can laugh and have so much fun without needing to drink. I don't police other people. It's their choice. I know where my line is on what I can handle and what I can can handle of other people's drinking i'll remove myself if i feel unsafe which is the main reason i don't drink it feels unsafe for me this got long but yeah it's interesting to me because making the decision to not drink alcohol sort of feels a little bit radical at least in my experience but in reality it shouldn't be and what this person is saying is that within their body they don't feel confident or safe or fun using alcohol so they've made the decision not to and I think that's so simple and yet so many of us including myself have such a hard time just recognizing that and that's kind of how we feel about certain recreational substances I don't feel a need to use them I don't mind being around them however if I begin to feel unsafe I'll remove myself like this person said and it's not from a place of judgment it's just from 
being in proximity to certain behaviors makes me feel uncomfortable and knowing my limits and trusting them and validating our need to feel safe within our bodies and feel confident and recognizing that not every substance is going to enable that experience. One of the cool things about these anonymous submissions is even when I don't necessarily have any personal insight or I don't have any advice or an answer to people's questions, sometimes somebody else in the responses does. And so there were quite a few questions about how to disengage from thinking that alcohol is needed to have fun and how to shift to more of a sober or sober curious lifestyle and someone actually provided an anonymous submission that I think kind of speaks to this. So this person said, I'm 22 and since becoming sober six months ago, my whole life changed. My recreational activities changed, so my friends did as well. Went from giving energy to hollow relationships to putting energy into coffee dates, making art, reading, and studying. When the things I did for fun became energy givers, my friends also became energy givers. I didn't stop drinking due to prior addiction, but I realized I was quickly on my way there and that I was using a, quote, good time as a way of dealing with past trauma. And alcohol numbed my underlying symptoms of ADHD and, at the time, undiagnosed OCD that I am now learning to navigate for the first time in my life. When I set boundaries with my drinking, it also caused a chain reaction where I I found myself practicing setting boundaries in other areas of my life. Once again, some of my friends didn't love that. I followed your advice and realized that those friends could still be my friends, but just on a surface level. Now I have an inner circle of friends I appreciate and who value me. I am also taking care of myself, getting good grades, and working on a solo art exhibition at the end of this year. First of all, it's really inspiring to see someone making a decision, not necessarily because they're at a really dire point with a substance, but just because they could see something going down that path and they can feel themselves using a substance as an escape, which I've certainly been able to relate to over various points in my life. But I really liked this person talked about how setting boundaries with this substance has allowed them to have the confidence to set boundaries in other areas of life and to reach new levels of depth with new friends and to build friendships and social activities around new things because like I said that can feel impossible when the norm is all of our social activities revolve around alcohol or substances but it doesn't mean that it's not available and it's not out there for us and that there aren't other groups of people that are wanting the same exact thing as we are. This person spoke to the fact that I had mentioned in a previous episode that when I was kind of changing my relationship with alcohol, there was a period where I certainly noticed a shift in certain friendships, but it didn't necessarily mean that those wouldn't evolve into new friendships and maybe some of them wouldn't evolve and they would have been just part of that chapter of my life and we can go in different directions but it doesn't necessarily mean that all of them will drop off and that we won't go on new journeys together and our friendship may take on a new form. So I would just say that boundaries with substances and how we relate to substances may look extremely different for each one of us and what we feel comfortable with, what we feel safe with, how we want to engage with these substances is going to look so different to each one of us but I really like that 
you know, we're able to have this conversation here and be open about it and to make empowering decisions with things that feel so societally normal and to make those decisions in support of our own evolution and growth and what we really desire versus what's the norm. So I think we'll leave it at that for today. Thank you to everyone who submitted something for this episode. It was really, really helpful to me to read through some of these and help me reflect on my own relationship and my own boundaries. This is something that I'm always mindful of and again, probably always will be. But yeah, here's to normalizing these conversations and being able to support each other in this journey. And the last thing I'll say is I just realized within the last little while that Spotify has a Q&A function where you can share specific feedback or thoughts or comments or questions on individual episodes. So totally feel free to let me know what you thought. Let me know if you want to hear any more on this topic and any future topics that you want discussed. And then as always, there's going to be the anonymous submission link in the show notes for this episode. So thanks for being here. Really appreciate you listening and I'll see you next week.